You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message, recorded live from our Brighton campus. Today is our last Sunday in our Overflow series as we've been looking at these heart attributes of the church. Um, Really the the values, the the heart values of the church. When we look at vision, we look at kind of where are we going. It's important to know what's important to us, what's important to the church. And so part of what we've been doing is looking at these five different areas of the church that uh, are really, I think, kind of core foundations that we need to have as a church body. I'm going to pray and just that God would focus our hearts and our minds to his will at this time as we, as we continue on. Lord, I thank you that you've got something for us today. And uh, Lord, even as we share and we look at what's been shared in the past weeks even, I pray that God, something would awaken in our spirits, Lord, something would, would come alive in us, that we would know what it is your spirit is saying to us this, this morning. We thank you for it. In your name, amen. Um, the first week we looked at enlarging, and as a church, our, our focus is not just to be together, although that's an important part, and we'll be looking at that today, but actually our calling is to, to actually reach out and to extend the kingdom of God beyond the, the areas of the footprint of the church building, and uh, to, to be a light in the darkness, and God calls us to share the good news that we've got, right? If, if you've encountered God, if you've encountered His Spirit in your life, then actually you've got something to tell. You've got good news to tell someone else. And so that's our first one, is that as a church we continue to have an outward-looking perspective. The second one is that we would be an enabling church, enabling people to become the disciples that God calls us to be. Uh, we're not just to be converts, but we're to be people that ever-increasingly look like Jesus. Not just look like Him, but act like Him, smell like Him, conduct ourselves in His way. We're to be the aroma of Christ everywhere we go. And so all of that requires us to to continue to journey with Him and to become more like Him. And so as a church, part of our process and what we do with life groups, what we do with Sunny Church, is actually helping people to become more like Jesus. Yes? And that is something that we need each other to do. The third week we, we looked at empowering the the church is to be a place where we are empowered to fulfill our part. That we're not just a dead arm sitting on the body, but actually we are empowered to, to fulfill our role in the body. Each of you has a part to play. And uh, the story we looked at was this, the, 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 the young boy who had presented his fish and his, his loaves to Jesus. And really giving what he had, offering his life uh, offering what he had to the Lord. And God actually taking that, Jesus taking that, and multiplying it, doing amazing things. But the boy had a part to play. The disciples had a part to play. And obviously Jesus had the supernatural element. And so each of us, God calls us as a church to things that no one of us could do on our own. He calls us to steps of faith that require something that is a collective effort, but also requires us to to tap into the Lord and say, God, we need now the bit that we can't do. It's all of us and Jesus seeing the miracles happen. But we have a part to play. You have a part to play. Last week we, we shared on encountering that as a church we believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit. And we believe that God uh, didn't just come 2,000 years ago and left us as orphans. But actually he's given us his spirit. 
to come and guide, to move in our midst, to fill us with his power, to uh, give us the boldness that we need to be everything he wants us to do. And that as a church, we would encounter him together, collectively, but also in our private lives, that there would be ever-growing um, times of encounter with the Lord. It isn't, the Holy Spirit wasn't just given for, the, for us as a big group, but actually the Holy Spirit's been given for us as individuals when we go to work tomorrow morning, when we face various things around, the Spirit of God is in us, moving through us. And as a church, we, I guess our prayer is that this would be a place that week after week we're refilled, we're, we're replenished with the things of the Spirit. That when we face the world that we live in, God is equipped us for that by His Spirit. Today we look at the final heart attribute of the church, which is engaging. And I'm going to start, start by reading Galatians 3. 26 to 29, and then four, chapter 4, 6 to 7. It says, You are all sons of God, or children of God, through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ were clothed, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And then if we jump to chapter 4, it carries on in the same thought, but we're going to finish off the thought in verses 6 to 7. It says, Because you are sons, or children, God sent His Spirit as His Son into our hearts. The Spirit calls out, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave. Right? We're just even saying it. You're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. This is a, a powerful thought that when we put our faith in Jesus, we are sons and daughters of him. And through Jesus' the, the adoption he gives us, we're, 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 we're grafted into his family. All of us in this room, we come from different parts of the world. We come from different backgrounds. We have all sorts of other stuff going on in our lives. But actually you and I, when we say, do you know what, Jesus, I put my faith in you. At that moment... There's no longer, I'm no longer what I was. I'm now part of his family and declared his child. I'm one in him. I, and, and the Bible says there is no longer uh, Jew or Greek or Gentile. There's no slave nor free nor male nor female. We are all made one in Christ. Isn't that amazing? It's like the, 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 the line is drawn. It's actually, you know what? All of us. We're just, we're grafted in. And so in essence, it's like when you are physically adopted into a family, you're no longer just the family of who you were before. At the point that you were adopted into the family, you're now part of that family and have every right as any other person in that family. And at the point that Jesus comes and moves in our lives, His blood flows through our veins as we even sung as well. Actually, we're part of this amazing family. There's no hierarchy in the family, but actually there's a oneness in it. I love it in this passage of scripture, actually male and female. There's no distinction. We're all one in Christ. We're all part of this amazing family. We have his family name. And as we look at this understanding of being part of his family, it means now actually that we, we also have brothers and sisters in this family. Right? If we're in a family and we are his sons and his daughters, 
then actually we are also connected to the people that are sitting around us right now. We're actually, we're, con we're connected to this wider family. We're not a single child or an only child. God doesn't have single children, right? We, we're not the, the, the product of just having, you know, we're, we're, we grew up as, a, as a, a single child in a family. No, actually, at the point we say yes to Jesus, we're part of this amazing family that's beyond us. It's actually, we're, we're now connected. We're a blended family, basically. And uh, when Paul explains to Timothy how believers should treat one another, he very much uses this reference. And I just, in 1 Timothy 5, 1 to 2, it says this. It says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. So what is he saying? He said, actually, when you look around you in the church, you need to treat each other as family. The, the, the ladies that are older than you, you need to treat them as your mother. Now again, that should be with respect. Your older men should be with respect. You know, the, 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 your peers, you know, those are your brothers. The, the young ladies, if you're a man, you, know, you treat them as your sisters. There's a sense of, you know, you need to look at each other as family. God never intended for the church to become an institution. But he calls us to become a family. Become part of his body. Now, the amazing thing is that there's no perfect family. Now, God's family, obviously, yes, through Jesus, is perfect. But actually, there's no perfect, on an earthly sense, there's no perfect family. We like to think, well, maybe we don't like to think. But the reality is that we all come from families that there are always things that aren't quite 100%. Right? Why? Because we're imperfect people. And no matter, even as our own family... You know, we, we love our kids. We do love Annalise. We do love you. <laughs> but sometimes we don't, as, even as parents, we don't always get it right. Sometimes we do the wrong thing. Sometimes even, sometimes, very rarely, but sometimes even Annalise does the wrong thing. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Now, I appreciate when we start talking about families and saying that we are a family of God, not all of us in this room would necessarily come from a healthy family background. And so family doesn't necessarily conjure up good thoughts. It actually conjures up negative thoughts. Well, you know what? We, we need to, again, look at it from the perspective that God calls us to. Obviously, we can't change our past, but what we can do is learn from Scripture as to what a healthy family should look like. Right? And today we're going to look at both myself, Julian, and Chris. We're going to aim to share some elements of healthy families. And as we look at this church, and as we look at a body, you know, we, we need to be a healthy unit. But there's things that need to be in place for us for that to happen. Healthy families, even in the physical realm, don't just happen to be healthy families that are loving and vibrant. There's things that they work on over time that create that. That create that sense of love and connection to one another. And so Julian's going to start us off with the very first area. Let's welcome Julian. Well, that was a long intro, so we'll be here until about one today. So just sit back, relax. Um, Tyler told us that we could each spend 20 minutes. So, just kidding. All right, so, so clearly Tyler articulated beautifully, right, this whole idea of spiritual family adopted into God's family, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And yet, the reality is, I think, um, what we hope 
to come very naturally doesn't always come naturally. So for example, um, I'm finding that more and more like in my own family that we have to be strategic and purposeful about spending time together, right? So, so when the kids were younger, because in many ways um, they had to be with us, we would naturally spend time together, right? However, that's changing. I have a 10-year-old and I have a 13-year-old. And so that reality of just naturally being together because they have to be with us is changing. And so uh, it seems like pick on daughter day. So Tyler has picked on Annalise. I'm going to pick on Eden. And so in the last little while, most of um, our conversations um, with Eden have been basically her saying, can I do this? Can I do that? And I, can I do the other thing? Right? That's kind of where where our conversations are. And then um, it's Kyle and I making a decision. And so even three nights ago, I pick her up from a friend's house. And after she told me about kind of what she did and, and uh, just how much fun she had, she's like, oh, on Saturday, can I go hang out with Holly in Brighton? And oh, and then on, and then she obviously had a, a, a youth event last night. And then she's like, oh, and Friday, meaning the day before the Saturday, um, I want to go uptown and hang out with my friends. And I, I just said to her, I was like, can we, just, can we just be together for a second? Can we just not discuss the next thing that you want to do away from your family? Can we just, just enjoy this moment, just right now? It might only last a minute, but can we just enjoy this moment? <laughs> and so I recognize, right, that this is a part of Eden becoming her own person. I recognize that she's a teenager and she wants to be her friends and her friends are her world. I recognize that. I recognize that she is seeing how far she can push the boundaries. I, I see that as well. And, um, and so I recognize this is just a part of her kind of growing up. But as parents, if we don't set sort of restrictions, right, or, or maybe a better way of saying this is if, if we don't establish in our family the importance of spending quality time together, right? Very quickly, other stuff becomes priority, right? And in Hebrews 10.25, it says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And then it carries on. See, see other stuff that we, we get up to on a weekly basis, right? May be good, it may be necessary. It's, it's even important, right? But if it keeps us from regularly, regularly connecting with your family, things begin to break down, right? In the same way, if we're not regularly connecting with our spiritual family, we miss what God implemented for our benefit. See, let us not give up um, on meeting together. It was not God thinking, I want to make your lives more hectic, I just want to fill your schedules up with church stuff. It wasn't that at all. It was, it was him making this proactive move, so to speak, and saying, I value community. I've, there's, it's important to be a part of community, and therefore I want you to be living this. It was this proactive move. It wasn't this sense of, I just want to make your lives busy. He designed us to engage with one another. Whether you like it or not, he engaged us to, to, to come together. Sometimes in families, there's things that I have to do that I don't want to do. 
but I do it because I'm family. And I think in the same way in the church, sometimes, you know, like the last thing I wanted to do was help Mark this week. I mean, that guy, <laughs> I'll just stop there, but. <laughs> no, we love you, Mark, and we thank you for all your efforts. With Next Sunday, you guys are in for a treat. It looks amazing. But there's things sometimes that we don't want to do, and there's other things that we do want to do. And, and I think what's important is that we, we just go, yeah, I'm going to do this even though I'm not too keen on that. But because we're family, I'm going to get involved in this. And so in the early church, uh, in Acts 2, it says every day they continue to meet together, right? It was to break bread. It was to praise God. There was other things going on. But I think even from this scripture in, in Hebrews, it says they encourage one another. And I'm certain that was happening when the early church was hanging out together. They were encouraging one another. And this word encourage, I've heard said, is to give courage. When you're encouraging somebody, you are giving them courage to live how God has called them to live. And so as we, as we, we need to get this, I know I need it, like I really need it. Actually, Kyle is really good at encouraging me because I'm very easy at discouraging myself. So I love when she encourages me because it gives me courage. So we need it and we need to give it to others. And it can't happen if we're not engaging with one another. And, um, and, and it can't happen if we're not aware of what's going on in people's lives. If I don't know what's going on in Graham's life, sometimes it's, I, I mean, I'd love to receive uh, an abundance of prophetic words for Graham. But if I'm not flowing in that anointing or in that sort of realm, it's just really easy if he would just let me know what's going on so I can give him courage, right? So, um, you know, I recognize that today it's probably not going to happen where we're going to be getting together every day. I mean, let's just be honest. It's not, it isn't going to happen, right? But I can encourage you to make coming together a regular priority. And really at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's about going this is a priority and I'm getting an amen in the back and I just appreciate that. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So I can't force you to, to um, I can't force you to, like I did with Eden on Friday, Thursday night or whatever night it was to watch a movie with me. She, we kind of forced Eden, Kyle and I, we were in her room, we were like, we're watching this movie together. I don't care what you're, what, whatever, we're watching this together. <laughs> We're going to spend time together as a family. So I can't do that to you guys. I can't say you have to be at the church, right? Or you have to be a part of whatever it might be, life group or different things that are going on. But, um, by the way, she got to pick the movie. So it wasn't like you have to watch this lame movie that your 40-year-old parents are watching. 39 for Kyla. Um, <laughs> we, we, uh, we, can't, we can't force that. But, but I really believe, I really believe that she enjoyed it, she saw the importance of it, and she, she benefited from that time together. You know, even before we just kind of prayed with her before bed, I just got to say a couple of things to her again, and, and it was just really, really great just having that time with her. So ultimately, this is God's desire for us, is that as a family, we would watch a bunch of movies together. That's what he wants us to know. Um, but that, ultimately, God's desire for us is that as a spiritual family, we would on purpose come together because the benefits will always outweigh trying to do life on our own. That's the reality, is that he has designed us to engage with one another so we can be a part of this community that he, that he intended from the very beginning. And uh, 
as Tyler said, sometimes it ain't pretty. Sometimes we have to do things we don't want to do, but that's what families do. They stick together and they're there for one another. Tyler. That's great. We'll take them in. As families spend time together, uh, one of the things that is important as a second element is there, there needs to be a genuine concern for one another. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 25 to 26, it says, There should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is, honoring, uh, is honored, every part rejoices with it. Families stand by one another in good times and bad times. And uh, one of the things in my personal family, my, my father this past year has been diagnosed with cancer. And... Uh, quite aggressive bone cancer and just watching as you know as a family we care for one another uh, but I'm on this side of the ocean and my, my sister lives in the same town which is great but my sister and brother-in-law they they're busy they do other things that my brother-in-law has a, uh, his own company but there were some needs that my mom and dad had um, that in, in moving and some other things that were going on and because it's family, because there was something going on, they, they changed their schedules. They, they made mom and dad for a season the priority. And I know some of you are caring for parents and caring for other people. Why? Because that's what families do. That's what you do as a family. You care for one another. And again, I think when it comes to this body, God doesn't call us to live as orphans, but he calls us to live as adopted children that actually as children, we have a genuine concern for one another. What is going on in your life? Do you know what? I, I, because I'm connected to you, I need to be responsible for that. I need to care for that. The church, we, have a, we all have a part to play in displaying this genuine concern. But also, we also have a part to play in being vulnerable to one another. And so again, you can be part of church, but if no one ever knows what's going on below the surface, how can we help you? How can we share what's going on? And so I have a couple questions just on this point. Does anyone in the church know what you're going through at this moment? Does anyone in the church actually know? It doesn't need to be everyone. You don't need to broadcast it. You don't need a Facebook page that says these are all my problems. But what you do, it is important that there are people in the church that are tracking with you and, and understand what's going on and, and you're able to be vulnerable with them. No, I understand that takes courage for us to be open. But... In order for a relationship to go any deeper than surface chit-chat, there has to come vulnerability and trust for one another. Again, as a family, when I'm on the phone with mom and dad and they're telling me how they're doing and I'm telling them how I'm doing, you know, we're completely honest and open with what's going on because we're family and we talk. And again, I think as a, as a body, we need to talk. So the second question though, do you know what others in the church are going through? Even if it's just a couple people, are there anyone in the church that you think, actually, I know what these people, are, I know what some things are happening in their lives because they've told me. Do you know, if your answer is no to either of those questions, then I can, can I encourage you to get engaged? What it means is that you're living peripherally to the church and God wants you to be part of the family. Again, we're to not forsake being together. We need to be together all the more. And uh, this requires something of us. It doesn't just happen. The third, the third area of these ingredients to a healthy family is quick to demonstrate love and forgiveness. Because we're adopted into his family, we, we're imperfect people with all sorts of stuff that we're bringing into this relationship. But Paul writes the, the following in Colossians 3, 
12 to 14. He says this, he says, bear with each other. And another passage in Ephesians says, bear with each other in love. But it says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. For forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know, Jesus set the standard. And can I just tell you, we cannot offend people to the same level that Jesus has forgiven us. No thing can go on, nothing can go on in church to that level that we can't forgive other people. Jesus died for you while you were still an enemy of his. You know, people leave churches for all sorts of silly reasons. People get hurt, things happen, people get offended. Can I just tell you what? Jesus sets the benchmark saying, you know, you need to forgive because I forgave you and this is the standard. I guarantee you, no one has hurt you that much. No one has hurt you that much. But it's a challenge for us to forgive. Forgiving is giving up our rights and saying, you know what? I'm going to not pass judgment, but I'm going to allow, by God's strength and his help, uh, I'm going to give them grace. I'm going to give them mercy. And I'm going to let it go. You know what? That's a powerful thing when it happens. And can I tell you, earthly families constantly need to forgive one another. As a family, again, we do things when we live in pro- close proximity to one another. You do things that often hurt. But we need to be quick to say sorry, quick to forgive. And then we, we move on. Do you know what? Families have this. We know each other's weaknesses. We know what, you know, we know where the cracks are in the veneer. But you know what? If we can be people that don't expose the cracks, but actually we bear with one another in love. We, we, we allow the, 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 the spirit to help us to, to cover those things. Do you know what? Church and family can be a great place to be where we can be ourselves, where we can be vulnerable, we can be transparent, but we have people that care for us and love us and will walk with us through the journeys. Not get offended, not walk away, but actually stay committed to one another. The, the end of this passage says, put on love. It's an action or choice. Peter, 1 Peter 4, 8 says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Wow. Our desire at Center Church is that this would be an amazing, loving family where everyone is loved and accepted and that we have the grace and patience with one another to go the journey together. And that we would look at each other and even if we do things, you think, oh, that is really driving me crazy. (laughs) Do you know what? We're family and we're going to go through it together. We're going to keep connected. We're going to stay loving. We're going to stay caring and we're going to work through our differences. You know, there is this place, obviously, to talk through things that we don't see eye to eye on. And that's okay. We don't all need, it's not uniformity, it's unity, right? We don't all need to be the same people. But it is about us saying, you know what, I'm going to journey together. And Chris is going to come and share the last bit of this message. We're doing pretty good, 25 minutes so far. Chris is going to finish us up with the last 25 minutes. <laughs> Thanks, Tyler. I've only got seven or eight pages, so don't worry too much. No, the problem is I've, I've not got any children to uh, use in, as analogies, so... <laughs> It's going to be really boring. No, um, I, 
I've got the privilege to lead us in a time of communion, um, and we kind of we kind of wanted to put this last point together in the in sharing communion with each other. So we're going to do that, and it's going to be a little bit different. But hopefully, I'll be able to explain it, and hopefully, um, no one will trip up over each other or anything like that. So should all be okay. Um, so I want to talk briefly about this phrase, discerning the body. And you probably recognise it from the communion passage in uh, 1 Corinthians 11. Um, and I'm going to read just a little bit of that, of that passage. So it's 1 Corinthians 11, um, verses 23, and I'll be going up to 34. just need to get my Bible organised and everything in place. Sometimes I think ahead of time and actually go to the passage before I'm up here, but not today. Um, So 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 34, says, For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, He took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body, eat and drink judgments against themselves. For this reason, many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If you are hungry, eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for your condemnation. About the other things, I will give instructions when I come. So some pretty serious warnings in that, in that passage. All, um, lots of stuff about judgment and, and all this sort of stuff. And that's associated with communion, that's associated with the, the shared meal that we, that we have together as as a church and there's some abuse of this meal going on in the Corinthian church and this is why Paul had to kind of correct them in this. See in Corinth the church members were gathering together to eat eat a meal, sit around a table and share with one another and the problem was that some of them were overeating, some of them were indulging at the meal um, whilst the others who arrived later had nothing to eat. In fact, there was actually significant poverty um, for some members of the community in Corinth. And there was a famine at the time in Corinth. And so Paul's response to this crisis was to say, you need to do what Jesus did. Or let's look at what Jesus did. In other words, in light of Jesus' self-sacrifice, we're called to look out for one another. There's this phrase in verse 29 that says, 
whoever eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on themselves. And now, I don't know about you, I don't know if you've read that before or what you've, what you've thought about it when you've looked at it. I used to think of it as whoever eats and drinks without taking stock of what Jesus has done for me. Or maybe, um, maybe you've had it told to you as, as like you need to respect God and, and or this is a solemn occasion that you need to be kind of all introspective and you know, quiet and prayerful and all that kind of stuff. Um, but in reality, there's actually something different that's going on. You see, discerning the body is about community. In chapter 10, if you just look, you're probably, probably on the same page. In chapter 10, verse 17, it says, Because there's one bread, we who are many are one body, because we all share in one bread. And in chapter 12, that Tyler referenced before, verses 12, verses 12 to 26, Paul tells us about the interdependence of the church community in terms of a body. You know, all different members all have different functions, but each member is important. He says, if one member suffers, all suffer together with it. And you see, what was going on in the church in Corinth is that they were eating and drinking without giving proper recognition to the community. The, the phrase in Greek is actually about properly judging the body. Like giving proper recognition to, looking at the, the people around you. Some were overeating, some were getting drunk. Um, I always wondered how they would get drunk on those little bits of wine, but apparently that's not how they took it back in the day. So I was always a bit confused with that one. Um, whilst, whilst the poor members, the poor members of the community were not actually receiving any food, they were getting there and it was all gone. It was all eaten. And a situation in a time of intense poverty and famine, which was actually leading to weakness and sickness and even death of the poorer members in the community, as we read in verse 30. You see, what we've tended to do is take this warning that's meant to be for a whole community and make it a personal one. I think we're really good at that something that's meant to be for everyone, we, we read it in the, in the scriptures and we just make it about ourselves. But actually, this is meant to be a warning for a community. You know, we, we might think, if I don't take communion with the right attitude, then God's going to punish me. Or we might carry that around with us. When in fact, what's being said is, because the church isn't caring for its members, each one caring and looking after the other, we're dealing a blow to the community. It's resulting in weakness and sickness and death. See, if one member suffers, all suffer together. I think we should see communion as a symbolic act, but we don't see it as simply symbolic of our own relationship with God. It's not just a vertical thing. There's a horizontal element to it too. In fact, it's, it's symbolic of how we should treat each other. That's why Paul references what Jesus did. He said, look at, look at what Jesus did. Look at his sacrifice for the whole of the world. And you can't sacrifice a little bit of your food for the other people in your community. 
it's a serious point. It's a serious warning that he that he gives there. See, we're called to love one another with an increased otherness. That's what I like to think of it as. You know, we're called to prefer one another. Um, we, we're called to be in an existence that, that looks more like Christ in every moment, in every opportunity. Tyler said that smells more like Christ, but they didn't have showers in those days, so I'm really not sure about that one. Um, see, I don't think Paul was talking about communion as our own personal moment with God. There's an element of it. There's an element of that. And that, and that can be fine. That can be fine at certain times. But today, we're going to do it a bit differently. You know, we're within a, a church service where we're all gathered together from two different campuses. We're one church from in two locations, but today just in one location. And it's an opportunity that, that we can say there's a place at the table for everyone. That's a phrase that we like to say here in Brighton. Um, if you were to look in the other room, we've got it up there on the wall. There's a place at the table for everyone. We've got an opportunity to say that. We've got an opportunity to welcome each other to the table and prefer one another and, and show it in the act of communion today. In other words, what we're called to do is properly recognised that we're amongst family. We're all children of God and we ought to care for each other like a family and put aside, put aside our own selfishness, our own desires, our own things that we want to do and care for the family, care for the community. And in the act of taking communion, what we're doing is we're participating in that story. We're participating in family. We're participating in community with each other. That we're no longer out for ourselves, but we're part of a community that is in Christ Jesus. And that's what, we, that's what we're saying when we, when we take communion. communion. Um, so we're going we're gonna to spend some time in communion with each other. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.